This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Martin Tuckman. Oh! He just rocked the soul out of this house. Elevation without hesitation. He's at the Jimmy driving right baseline. He flips it around for two more. He has 26. Game four. A launch to the heat. And they lead this series. Three games to one. They just love to compete. Each game has been a different story. And, you know, we still, we still have one more to get. Seventh Avenue celebrations that disrupted traffic patterns and effectively shut the area around Madison Square Garden down during the Knicks' first-round series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hope they were worth it, because that's probably the last time the Knicks are going to be celebrating anything for the near future. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer, sitting in for the guys, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Highlights courtesy of 560 WQAM. The Miami Heat have a commanding 3-1 lead over the New York Knicks in the second round of the Eastern Conference. Playoffs 109-101 on Monday. Aaron, there's so many directions that we can go here, but the Knicks on the brink of elimination after the Heat win game four, I look at the fortitude of this team and what Julius Randle said, we're going to play that in a minute, and looking at all of the things that fell apart for this Knicks team. They got beat at their own game. Remember how good they were on the offensive glass? That was exactly where they made their hay during the regular season, imposing their will. In the fourth quarter of game four, The Heat took their identity from them, the New York Knicks. This was a team that was bottom 10 in offensive rebounding during the regular season. In the final frame of this game, they rebounded 7 of 17 misses, and they turned them into enough second-chance points to keep the Knicks at arm's length in eight-point victory margin of victory for the Miami Heat, and they are one game away from heading to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, the Heat are an incredible organization, Courtney. They just are. They're one of the great organizations in sports. And I know it's annoying when their fans talk on social media, hashtag Heat culture, blah, blah, blah. Courtney, I'm here to admit it. It's all true. They were the eighth seed. They had a horrible season. Uh, They got injuries. They had guys that didn't show up and didn't perform, and they couldn't make a shot for 90% of it. And they sneak in to the last play-in spot. And all of a sudden, they flip the switch. Jimmy Butler, I think, has been right there with Devin Booker as the best player in the playoffs. And no team is psychologically tougher than the Miami Heat are. They're doing this. I mean, I know Butler's a superstar, and he is. But they're doing this with Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. They're doing it with Kevin Love's career corpse and guys off the bench who you have never heard of before this series came about. So I think really the star of it all, Butler's getting a ton of credit, rightfully so. Courtney, Eric Spolstra is one of the 10 best coaches in NBA history. He is. And I know no one wants to say that about him because he got to coach LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to championships. And But all great coaches have great players. Red Arbike had mm-hmm. Bill Russell. Phil Jackson had, you know, Jordan and Kobe. I mean, come on. Uh, Eric Spolstra is an all-time, all-time great coach, and I think we're watching right now his best coaching job ever. In 10 minutes, give or take a lie or two, we're going to give you our rankings of the remaining head coaches in the NBA playoffs. I think 
pretty unanimous. Spo is at the top of that list for all the reasons that you mentioned, the adjustments that he's had to made, make because of personnel issues and having guys come in and out of the lineups, the lineup changes, the ability for this team, which was a horrible three-point shooting team in the regular season, bottom half of the NFL, bottom half offensive efficiency, to make those adjustments where they actually look very good in those areas that were a problem for them during the 82 regular game season. Ten minutes away from that, but I want you to hear from Julius Randle. The New York Knicks forward who sounded like someone just took his puppy from him following the loss in Game 4. Here's Julius Randle on the desire the Miami Heat had and what the Knicks lacked. It was just uh, maybe they wanted more. I don't know. That's been who we are all year, and uh, we got to find a way to you know, step up and, and make those plays if we want to keep the season alive. Oh, my goodness. Maybe they wanted it more. The admission right there of the lack of effort that this team has displayed the last two games, the only time we got to see the true Tom Thibodeau brand of basketball was the grinded-out win without Jimmy Butler, a Jimmy Butler-less team they were facing in Game 2 for the yep. New York Knicks. Yeah, they That's just swept it. otherwise, I think, you know. Um, Courtney, it, that that is a phrase in sports that I've never really understood. I mean, it's the playoffs. How so can you every, possibly admit that? So I think Julius Randle is trying to call out his teammates a little bit and make sure they go down swinging. But I also feel like, look, Julius Randle is not Julius Randle is playing right now on an ankle that he probably shouldn't be playing on. So a lot of the criticism that's coming his way for what he said last night and the, the lack of production and all of that, I mean, I think if he was 100% healthy, this might be a little bit of a different series. The Knicks have really needed him, and he's just a shell of himself. It's obvious. And so, look, is it a little bit of a bad look comment? I think so. But I also wonder how much of it is directed at his teammates that he's trying to motivate and get up for Game 5 so that at least they can carry the series back to Miami as we head towards the weekend. It's a sign of a bigger problem if you have to motivate your teammates to get up for a playoff game in an elimination fashion. The Miami Heat have a 3-1 lead in this series. If Julius Randle's trying to put something out into the ether and have his team learn how he feels through comments he made in a post-game press conference, he wasn't the problem on the offensive or the defensive glass. He finished with nine boards last night, but... And that was a team high for anybody on the New York Knicks. But when you foul out in the fourth quarter, I know that he contributed 20 points. He was right behind where Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett finished the evening. But to foul out in the fourth quarter, to not get anything from your bench outside of those, in outside, really outside of those three, it, it was nothing. The rest of the roster combined for 25 points of the Knicks 101 that didn't belong to Brunson, Barrett, or Julius Randle. Yeah. All of those things said, this team is in serious trouble. So their season's hanging in the balance. They now have to regroup real fast and figure out a way to bounce back in game five. But there are a lot of people who do not believe that they're going to be capable of doing that. Can I jump in here just real quick? Because I know, you know, Stephen A. calls out Julius Randle and, you know, it says he's done with him. To me, I think that the Knicks have exceeded my expectations for them this year already. So in the moment, I get the frustration of them being on the brink of elimination right now. But if you'd have told a Nick fan in October, Courtney, that they were going to win their first playoff series since 2013, that they were going to win a game in the second round, that it was going to be the middle of May and they were still playing basketball, I think they'd have taken that all day long. 
the Knicks still have all their assets. They still have all their resources to go get a star player. And let's just remind ourselves, nobody thought this was going to be a championship team anyway. So to me, I think their season is a rousing success beyond just the immediate disappointment of having lost yesterday and they're probably now going to get eliminated. I still think they had a really great, really successful year. You're one of those people who would have been closing down 7th Avenue. I am convinced after that comment. No, I think it's right. What, what did you think? The Knicks were a championship they, contenders? They go out, they sign Jalen Brunson. I think right now there's probably some buyer's remorse, maybe not buyer's remorse, the regret of not getting Donovan Mitchell because very clearly the holes yeah. within this team have been exposed. And, and you mentioned, like, they do have a lot of draft capital. All those first-round picks in the next couple of years, that's going to be great. What they might not have is Julius Randle. And if you ask Stephen A. Smith, he's as good as gone. For me, when I look at him, I'm just done. Now, I understand he shows up to work every day, so I give him a lot of love and credit for that. And certainly during the regular season, you can take Julius Randle all day, every day. But come postseason time, you got to find a better option than this brother. He's not going to do it for you. They figure him out. They know his game. They know he's always, even when he's going right, J.J., he's still going left. I mean, with the left. He's not ambidextrous in any way. He's not going to use his right hand. You know what he's going to do. He's very transparent and predictable. I'm just of that mindset that I'm done believing. In this, that's what I mean when I say I'm done. I'm done believing in him in the postseason. I'm done hoping and praying. That was Stephen A. Smith, host of First Take, and he was actually a little bit more tame there in the clip that you heard. I saw him on Get Up this morning when when Greeny was hosting, and he said he was on the verge of asking for Julius Randle to be traded. That was the point that I was getting at there about how he may not, if Stephen A. Smith is running the show, be uh, be around much longer in New York, but. To, to his overall greater point here, the Julius Randle that's showing up in the postseason, what, what, and I know there's an ankle Courtney, injury at play. He's hurt. I like, understand why, why, that. But why like the why kid- is this so complicated? It, 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 it shouldn't be. To me, also, do we think Julius Randle is the second coming of Akeem Olajuwon? If Julius Randle could go both ways, Julius Randle would be one of the all-time great big men of all time. Of course he's got holes in his game. Just ask fans of all the other teams that he played for before he got to New York. So I think he's maximizing his talent, but the Knicks aren't going to win anything until they upgrade the top level of their roster, right? I mean, and I don't think Donovan Mitchell was even the right guy to do that. That Giannis might be available. You know, Luka might come available. When one of those guys gets added to the team and they foul out and only score 20, fine. I think it's totally fair to go rant on that guy on a on a on a TV or a radio show. To me, I just think personally to me, Knicks have exceeded expectations. I'm not a Knicks fan, so I'm not as emotionally tied up in this as Stephen A is. And as Shannon is, who's producing the show right now and is screaming at me, even though he doesn't have a microphone through the computer. I think they had an A of a season. Not a good season. I think they had a great season exceeded expectations and now I think they're poised to take another leap and I think they're just getting started your glass half full on this me and I think other Knicks fans the realistic ones I'm not a Knicks fan but I will group myself in there in the group that's maybe a little bit more glass half empty approach looking at where they started to where they are now and the promise that was there The Cavs were not a very deep team. Miami on paper is not a very deep team right now, but they're somehow making it work. 
And what it looks like right now is a 3-1 advantage for the Miami Heat. This series shifting back to New York for Game 5. The Heat looking to close this thing out and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals where they'll face either Philadelphia or Boston. And before we get on to the job that Eric Spolstra has done to get his eight-seeded team, and not a normal eight-seed, to get them to this point, you got to hear this from Mike Greenberg. The excuses are coming out in droves. This According to Greeny, he said this on Get Up earlier. This is the reason, one of the reasons, that could be plaguing Knicks in this series. Was how hard it is to go down to Miami and play this time of year. And I know people will immediately associate that with the nightlife and all that. But according to Jalen, there's more than that. There's also just the reality of the temperature change, the heat, the geography, being down there for three days. It sort of saps a little bit of your energy and your strength. We talk about that primarily in football. I know this is an indoor sport. But, I mean, the Knicks, whatever it is, Jimmy Butler is just has just destroyed them. <laughs> Humidity doesn't bother Jimmy Butler, apparently. I know he lives in it, and maybe there is some validity to that. I don't know. I think that Greeny was punking all of us. But either Can way. Can in here for a second, for a second here, Courtney? As, of course, as a resident Shannon. Knicks fan on the show. Yes. Thank you very much. Let's, let's right. take the temperature of the room. <laughs> While I do agree with, with, with Aaron saying that it's been a successful season for the Knicks, and they may have exceeded expectations, or at least for him, and, yes, they did win a playoff series. I get all of that. I think I would have been fine if they would have lost to a, a better team in Boston or a better team in the 76ers. I would have been fine. But you get an opportunity. You're dis- Shannon, you're well, disrespecting Miami. Well, let, me, let me finish. You're di- but yeah, you, I- have, you have a Miami team. You have Tyler Hero, who is out. You have Jimmy Butler, who's, who had the ankle injury. They're, they seemed more evenly matched than Miami. And if they would have lost to Miami – X's and O's, fine. I get all that. But no matter to which that they're losing these games, they're being outworked. They're being out-hustled. All of the things that you sell with, with Tom Thibodeau's teams, Miami is doing exactly that. You know, I hate the whole, the whole heat culture thing, but it's a real thing. They're doing everything that the Knicks historically have prided themselves on doing that they're just not doing. That's the thing that, that's for me. And if they lose in five, which it seems as though they may, that would be a failure. I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't mind them losing, but the manner to which they're losing, that would be a failure and some changes would have to be made. Chen, fair, fair to say that. But I, this Heat team was actually, Courtney, to me, the number one seed in the East last year. You remember that Heat team? That's what this Heat team really is. Also, they have championship medal. And some of these things are cliches, but they're so true. They went to the finals in the bubble, Right. They were, they were one shot away from Jimmy Butler of knocking out the Celtics and going to the finals last year. And I think in the NBA, more than any other sport, you have to get there and lose before you get there and win. So I think you take a step this year, you learn what playoff intensity really is all about, and then you come back next year with more talent on the roster with a better feel for what it takes to win on the road, and eventually you get there. You don't snap your fingers and immediately make the Eastern Conference Finals. That's almost unheard of, and it's what is plaguing the Knicks, And aside from injuries and everything else, preventing them from being able to have a chance to win this series. It's Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. He's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Courtney Cronin, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Eric Spolstra has been the head coach of the Miami Heat since 2008 in only three seasons since then. The Heat have not made the postseason, and they've made the NBA Finals one, two, three, four, five times. Yet we're looking at the job that Spo has done this year, despite 
all of the injuries, the circumstances that he's had to coach around for this team through the play-in tournament to now on the cusp of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And we have to ask ourselves, is this the best coaching job that he's ever done? And that's kind of a bold statement. I understand some people might be looking at that and saying, do you not remember when they played the Mavs, the Thunder, the Spurs twice, and the Lakers in the NBA Finals? And all of those things considered, of course, those were great coaching jobs. Those were more talented teams. This Miami Heat team, this iteration, the job that he has done with adjustments and beating the Knicks at their own game. We talked about the offensive rebounding and how big of an issue that's been in watching them switch places in terms of their identity. Yeah, Eric Spolstra, th- that comes down to him. That's not just great players showing up in these moments. And you know, frankly, Bam Adebayo the last two games – yeah. I'm glad that he decided to, to show up because that's really important when the when the depth is tested consistently and you're another injury away from dealing with absolute calamity. Eric Spolster, though, very much at, in the thick of that, and I don't think anybody's going to disagree that among the eight coaches left, he is 100% at the top of that list of the best coaches remaining. We are the home all year long of the NBA here on ESPN, but Courtney, the NBA regular season has never been less important than it is right now. I mean, I think the Heat certainly were pacing themselves for the playoffs, and they didn't care what seed ultimately they got, and then they absolutely were able to just flip a switch, and Spolstra deserves a lot of credit for that. The adjustments they make are incredible. Their player development is awesome, but beyond all of that, you know, the way that he's been able to manage the personality of Jimmy Butler is him at the top of his game. He's the only look one what, who's been able to do it. Look, he has been able to harness. Uh, you know, I, I heard Brian Winhurst saying this, uh, our ESPN NBA analyst, earlier today. Like He's called him a psychopath at the podium multiple times in this series. Like, Tibbs couldn't do it. He left Philly. It, it, Chicago, it, Tibbs again. Like, the the fact that now with Tibbs on the other sideline, I do think there is an out-coaching thing going on here. And credit to Spolstra for he is able to squeeze every ounce of greatness out of his players, and I'd put Jimmy Butler right at the top of that list. I'm going to read you my list because I, I went through this before the show and I just tweaked something. I'm actually tell you the player, the coaches that I changed. The best remaining coaches in the postseason. There's eight teams, four from the East, four from the West. In the number one spot, I've got Eric Spolstra. Head and shoulders, best coaching job totally of anybody agree. remaining. Can't disagree. Number two, I've got Darvin Ham. The fact that he's bought into some of these bigger lineups and being able to – how good this team has been in transition and that being a theme that carried over after they reconstructed the roster and what he's done since the trade deadline, getting this roster where it needs to be and getting Anthony Davis in position to have these two very good moves, so two very good games in back-to-back outings where we're going to maybe retire, maybe retire the alternate day narrative. Darvin Ham, number two for me. You I, I would put Lakers head coach LeBron James. Uh, okay, Darvin. he's uh, not. He's not, that does not apply here. But mine is Darvin Ham. Number three, Monty Williams. We talk about bench contributions for him to find ways to get T.J. Warren to get Landry Shamit 
in the mix more is the reason the series is tied now 2-2. Two to two. Mike Malone, number four for me. Steve Kerr at number five. The lineup changes have not worked in favor of the Golden State Warriors, but he is still a coach who has championship pedigree. He's gotten this team this far with them being atrocious on the road. I think if some of that's going to catch up to him. Doc Rivers, I have him at six because right now I think it's NBA Finals or bust, and we'll get into more of that later about Doc Rivers, but – that series, even as well, despite Joel Embiid looking gassed, despite James Harden having his own playoff roller coaster. I go Joe Missoula 7 and then Tibbs 8. I was flip-flopping between Missoula and, and Tibbs. I, I did appreciate to he- hearing Missoula own uh, his mistake. The timeout his, mistake. The timeout yeah. I, I appreciated that. He's a young coach, too, so I don't really know how critical I can be, but Darvin Ham is also a first-year head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers and has his team one game away from making it to the Western Conference Finals. We're going to get into more of this later on here on Canty and Carl, and the NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight, Warriors ho- – tune in tomorrow, rather, Warriors hosting – the Lakers coverage beginning 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Speaking of the Warriors, does it feel like Stephen Curry is a one-man show? We get into that next here on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. and Carlin, the podcast. Long two is on the way, and it's good from Lonnie Walker. My goodness, Reeves corrals it, but that's the end of the game. The Lakers were able to dribble it out as the Warriors didn't even try to foul, and the Lakers take a 3-1 lead over the Golden State Warriors. 
highlights courtesy ESPN Radio. That was last night and what it sounded like when the Golden State Warriors dropped game four, 104-101. They now trail the Los Angeles Lakers 3-1 in the Western Conference semifinals. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon. And we know Steph has been a one-man show before. I think back to not so long ago, Game 7 of the closeout uh, against the Sacramento Kings when he dropped 50 points on 20 of 38 shooting on a night where nobody else really contributed to a point where you thought, okay, it's not like he has to go out and do it alone. Clay shot 21% from the field. Andrew Wiggins chipped in 17 points, but it was on 5 of 16 shooting. And then, of course, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, you're not getting those contributions, and the bench was kind of lackluster at best. Steph turning into a one-man show is the only way the Golden State Warriors are going to survive this series and make it competitive, because it's not right now. It's a 3-1 lead for the goal, for the Los Angeles Lakers. I just, I know he can do it, Aaron. I like, I look at this, and I don't doubt Stephen Curry at all being able to proverbially he put the team on his back. He threw some last night, didn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. I mean, jeez. For, you know, the four-point play in the middle of the fourth quarter, when he hit that and made the free throw, you know, I thought to myself, man, there are teams that would break in this moment. And kudos to the Lakers that they were tough. I actually think, though, Courtney, like, they need contributions from other guys. That's the way back in this series for them. Clay Thompson, you know, played a great game, too. So it's capable. He's capable of coming back and playing great, especially at home in Game 5. And then Jordan Poole has to do something. You know, I mean, he's a max level player who was one of the most important, biggest reasons they won the title last year. I know it's in there somewhere. I mean, I know it's a weird dynamic with him and his teammates right now. It, it's it's tough to quantify exactly what's happening. All I know is the guy got punched in the face in October in one of the most brutal practice punches I've ever seen in my life. And since then, it just hasn't been right. It just hasn't been right. No, I mean, in the postseason, he's averaging 10.5 points per game, shooting you know, 34% from the field, 27.8% from deep. This is somebody they gave a max contract to last offseason, four years, $128 million on that deal. He has not looked like the regular season version of himself at all or anything comparable to what we saw last year in the postseason. And last night he kind of caused his own firestorm because he played 10 minutes on Monday, scored zero points, missed all four of his shots, and deservedly did not play a second in the fourth quarter, which is kind of becoming this trend for the Warriors in their biggest game. So it's the lack of playoff toughness, the lack of interest, frankly, in discussing what he's accountable for in this situation that has people questioning Jordan Poole and his role to the team. In the locker room last night, After the 104-101 loss for the Golden State Warriors, Poole is at his locker inside Crypto.com Arena, a small-ish visitor's locker room. It's nothing like I haven't seen before. It's not one of the worst. It's not one of the best. But there's a crowd around him, and he ends up doing his media availability, which was truncated, not very long, with his back facing the media. And 
I'm going to let you hear from Kareth Burke. She does an absolutely tremendous job covering the Golden State Warriors. She's her sideline reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area, one of the best to ever do it. And she describes a tension-filled locker room when Jordan Poole finally reluctantly decided to speak about his performance in Game 4. Let me just paint a picture of what that locker room was like. So the Warriors PR was coming over and saying, Jordan, could you please talk post-game? He seemed a little reluctant. You could tell that he was very frustrated. He was facing his locker, actually. So as the reporters gathered around him, when it did become clear that he would he would talk to us, his back was to us. And so we're all kind of around to the sides of him. Um, he turned his music off for us. But that locker room, a visitor's locker room, is really cramped. So when that music went off, all of the other players were listening as well. You could see you know, Andrew Wiggins, uh, there was uh, Looney right nearby, and then GP2 came to the locker. It was like all eyes and ears were on Jordan right there, and it just heightened the tension. So what did Jordan end up saying? Because we need to acknowledge that this hasn't been a great series for him, maybe not even a great postseason for him. Something has happened to his shot. It's just not there. We know that he has a good shot, but why is he struggling now? Why is he a little bit uncomfortable? Just reviewing some of the things he said in some pretty short answers my shot I don't know if I knew I would tell you he didn't want to talk about himself he kept saying we have a game in a couple of days I asked him I was like Jordan we know your work ethic is good when you feel like you're in a little bit of a funk when things don't seem normal what do you do and are you getting back in the gym he said well my work ethic doesn't change my routine doesn't change maybe opportunity changes but you can only control what you can control Poole has had one good game this series. That was game one, where he dropped 21 points. He was 6 of 10 from three-point range. Since then, he's averaging eight points per game this series, shooting 35.3%. That's not going to cut it when Stephen Curry is carrying the load of this team and, frankly, doesn't have the go-to guy consistently helping him trying to get the series to 3-2, maybe even to 3-3, and then trying to force a game seven. I'm with you, Aaron. I think that is Clay Thompson in Game Five. He's always due for a an explosion. The way we saw him do, we, the way we saw him in 2016 in Oklahoma City when he hit a bunch of threes, and then they end up coming yeah. back from that three-one deficit. And Feels like that will be the series. go-to guy. Exactly. I just with the amount that they're paying Jordan Poole. And yes, Kareth does describe like the tension there where other players want to hear what he has to say to be accountable for the zero-point performance he had in Game Four. I don't feel like this is a locker room. I don't want to say it's like on the on the, on the verge of fracturing, but I think that there there's got to be a lack of the lack of accountability has got to be wearing pretty thin on some of the teammates that also have not been able to contribute and are probably looking at themselves too, wondering the same thing that, about themselves. They're wondering about Jordan Poole. Well, last year in the NBA Finals, Jordan Poole shot thirty nine percent from three. In the Western Conference Finals, he shot 40%. And in the first round series, they beat Denver. He shot almost 50% from three-point range. He can get back that version of himself. In this series, he's shooting 35% from the field and 31% from three. I mean, his numbers have just taken a huge nosedive. So, Courtney, look, I don't know whether he's not healthy. I don't know whether there's something physical or psychological going on. But certainly he is being compensated to be a big-time playoff performer. They may end up going with Jordan Poole and without Draymond Green moving forward with their franchise and the way their salary structure works. So they need him to be able to turn it on and give them something 
if they're going to be able to get back into this series. We want to hear from you about this. The Warriors, are they done? Who is to blame for the Knicks being down at 3-1? Phones are open on the CC call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Your call's coming up next. More Canyon Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. And Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance, protect your family, phone, your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. Courtney Cronin and Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys. Phones are open. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Who is to blame for the Knicks being down 3-1 and do the Warriors stand any chance of coming back in this series? Eric in Wisconsin, you're on ESPN Radio. Oh, thank you for taking my call and for what you do. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think the Lakers got this series is it based on their defensive tenacity. I think that uh, that's just too much for, uh, for the Warriors to come back. And I do think uh, the Knicks were slightly overrated going into the playoffs, and that's what you're seeing with the Miami series. Thanks. Eric, appreciate the call. Aaron, that last part, because you and I were seeing not eye-to-eye on, on how we view this Knicks yeah. team. Yeah, I don't think Do you, so. You don't think they were overrated? I, I think they were big underdogs against the Cavs, and they won the series. I, I agree with that. I think that I mean, the expectations what, that's what, for them. That, that's what Caesars Sportsbook had to say about it. So I don't think the Knicks were necessarily oh, – maybe during the playoffs people started to – then all of a sudden assume that they were going to beat Miami, but I didn't think they were going to beat Miami. You ha- you have to know, like, the history and rhythm of this. Just because Miami was an eight seed in the regular season doesn't mean they're an eight seed no, now. No, they are not your standard eight seed, and I think that is pretty evident in the way that they've grabbed onto a 3-1 lead here, the way that they put out the number one overall seed in the NBA playoffs in Milwaukee, a champion two years ago, and they did it. In Miami's house or in Milwaukee's place, like that's. Yeah. It, yeah. It, the, I I don't think that that we will look back at this, and I know we were talking about Eric Spolstra and the coaching job he's done. We will look back at this iteration of the Heat of the Miami Heat, whether they make it to the NBA Finals or not, because they're on their way right now to the Eastern Conference Finals. They've got one more game standing between them in getting there. Regardless of what happens, we're going to look back at this as like the anomaly of the play-in tournament teams, some of which, you know, you look at saying from 7 to 10, about three-fourths of you guys probably don't deserve to be here, but it's a cool way to get the seat, the field of eight set in, each, in the West yeah. and the East. Well, the Conference. Lakers too, Courtney. But, you know, yeah. they were, you could have two play-in teams play against each other in the NBA Finals this year. So one thing the play-in tournament has done is I, I just think teams don't care about the regular season, and I think that's some of what you're seeing um, in Miami's situation. The other thing with the Knicks that I think is very true that we have to be careful with, there are some organizations that were so used to ripping apart as a sports community, media, fan bases, 
the Knicks are just easy, low-hanging fruit, okay? They are. So your habit is, if they lose, oh, the Knicks, oh, woe is me. You know, the ownership situation. So did, did you know, Courtney, they haven't won a championship since 1973? We lost Willis Reed this year. Ewing never won a thing. Like, no, they actually, they're, they're a very competent team, and they had a great season. Um, and I don't think they deserve to get ripped apart right now by anybody, given the situation that they're in. Dave in Nebraska, you're on ESPN Radio. Do you want to rip apart the New York Knicks, much to the chagrin of my co-host Aaron Goldhammer? No, no, actually I don't. So I live in Nebraska, so I'm a retired military, but I actually am from New York City, and I've been a lifelong Knicks fan, and it's just heartbreaking to see them go out the way they are. You know, I look at it this way. I say, yeah, you know, you play the sport of basketball, and yeah, a lot of it is physical, but it's also mental as well as, you know, you got to think about it from the standpoint of, hey, you got to have some heart, you got to have some courage, you got to go ahead and leave it out there on the court. Injuries are a thing, you know, they happen. And, you know, I hate to see that happen to my guys, but yeah, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the Miami Heat. You know, they go ahead and they're doing what they got to do to get there. But just like Julius Randle said in his interview, his post game, he was like, maybe they wanted more. And they're showing why they wanted more because they want to get to the next level. And that's what the Knicks need to do, you know. Hey, if you got to Willis, read it. Willis, read it. Do what you got to do to get there, but leave it out on the court. Dave, great stuff, and, and thank you for your service. We appreciate that. And you're right. Like, who was this Knicks team that showed up in Game 3 in Game 4? And I go back to when they scored their season-low 86 points in Game 3. They lost the rebounding battle for the first time this series. Well, that carried over into last night. They got crushed in the paint and most concerning, they got outworked. What Dave was saying, Aaron, yeah. repeatedly beating on broke. loose balls. And Don't you think at some point Miami took their soul? And it happens. They, they took their identity. They took yeah. their identity in the offensive glass, and they've not given it back. And that's what they're going to carry into their series, where they're going to face a lot of length, potentially in Boston or in Philadelphia. And we'll see how that shakes out. But I just look at what – like. Julius Randle sounded so dejected, and that soundbite that we were talking about and, and, and what Dave had just referenced there was when Julius Randle says, he's asked about the rebounding and like the discrepancy. I think that the Heat were plus nine in that category. He said something along the lines of maybe they wanted it more. Maybe that's a shot at his teammates. Maybe that's how he really feels about this series, and he just is you know, resigning, him, resigning himself to the fact that it's over. Who knows? But it is certainly a very damning comment to make when you are in an... I'm not questioning his effort. I'm questioning the resolve of this team and how they let things get this bad. Straight ahead, Giannis Antetokounmpo says he is tired of the disrespect. We dissect that next, Kenny and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.